listening to the You Flourish Church Podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.youflourishchurch.org. Good morning. It's such a joy to be together with you. It's an honor to open up the Word of God with you as we continue Uh, in the book of Romans. But before we jump in, would you join me in prayer? Glorious, merciful, gracious God, how, how vast, how beautiful, Lord, how majestic, how transformative is your salvation. Lord God, I ask that this morning, Lord, as we plunge into your word, Lord, that you would make your salvation known. Lord, uh, that you would transform, Lord, through your spirit. Lord God, I surrender this time into your glorious, merciful, transforming hands. In your holy name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. I, I had this professor that had one of those dry senses of humor. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when I tell a joke, right? And I know I'm not that funny, but like I warn you in advance. Like my voice fluctuates, my cadence ebbs and flows. Like I, I tell you, and then I pause afterward, making it awkward for you not to laugh at the hilarity that I just said. But in those dry senses of humor, I mean, they don't move. And I remember being with this professor, and he would do these all the time, and you could tell who was paying attention and who wasn't by who laughed at the right time. Now, there was this one joke that that I thought was actually kind of morbid. I found it actually a bit strange, but he would do it all the time. Whenever, whenever a paper was due, whenever an exam was coming up, whenever we had a test, whenever there was something that the student was responsible to do, he would explain what we had to do, and then he would say this, in, 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 his, in his dry sense of humor, he would say, but if you die, you don't have to do any of that. Now, I thought it was just him and his dry sense of humor. I thought it was him and just one of those strange jokes. But I think that perhaps behind that, there was a lesson that he was trying to teach us. That death changes things. I mean, think about what you have got to do. Think about all of the things that you've got to do. Right? You've got to wake up when that alarm goes off. You have got to go to work. You have got to obey the speed limit. You have got to all of these different things. But the moment you die, you don't got to do any of that. Right? Death has a way of transforming our lives. Death changes things. Death changes our relationships. I mean, I'm a pastor, right? And I officiate weddings. And I say, Do you and do you until death do you part because death changes things. We're going to see today in our passage in Romans that indeed death 
changes things. Pick up with me, Romans 6, chapter 1. Excuse me, Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What a question. Are we to continue in sin that, may, that grace may abound? Right, that question doesn't seem to make sense out of nowhere. So how did we get here? How do we get to the point where Paul is phrasing this question? Should we remain in sin? Should we continue in sin? Should we sin so that grace may abound? Well, he's been telling the Romans, he's been teaching the Romans about the good news of salvation. He's been teaching the Romans about the gospel. And he goes on to say, listen, Every one of us, every one of us without exception is in unrighteousness. Every one of us has unrighteousness inside of us. He's like, unrighteous, 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 unrighteous. Unrighteous. Every one of us in unrighteousness. And because of that, we have no standing before God. But then he says, but God. But God, even though you and I have no standing, even though you and I have no righteousness, God steps in. God invades the picture. And through the death of his son, by grace, through faith, gives us, declares us righteous. You and I now have access to God. And Paul is saying just that, listen, because of what Jesus did, you're declared righteous. And because you're declared righteous, you have access to God. You have peace with God. You and God are at peace with one another. And then in the chapter just before this, he begins to explain. Listen, there's this, there's, you're, 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 either, you're either attached to Adam or you're attached to Christ. You're either attached to Adam or you're attached to Christ. And if you're attached to Christ, right, right, the, 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 the law comes in and it exposes sin. The law comes in and tells you what is right and what is wrong. And then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, there's a lot more wrong than I previously anticipated. There's a lot more unrighteousness inside of me than I previously saw. But grace is so big. Grace is so vast. Grace is so powerful that it always, it always outruns your sin. It is always bigger than your sin. Grace transcends above your sin, right? Sin splashes and grace floods, right? Sin, sin expands and grace overwhelms. It floods in. That's grace. You, 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 you just can't outrun it. It increases and then grace avalanches. Well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Is the conclusion that I ought to make of that, that the more sin, the more grace, should the conclusion that I arrive at be, shall I remain in sin that grace may abound? Verse two, by no means. 
Or, or, or here's, the, here's the RSV. I don't know if you're familiar with the RSV. That's the, the Ronaldo standardized version. It is Paul saying, are, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are you out of your mind? Have you flushed your brain down the toilet? Is, this is insanity, right? Why? How? How, verse 2 tells us, how can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who have died to sin still live in it? And, and I had a professor that taught me a long time ago that death changes things. Death changes your relationships. Death changes how you interact. And Paul goes, how can we, how can we who have died to sin, still live in it. Your reality in Christ, remember there's only two categories, you're in Adam or you're in Christ. How can we who are in Christ remain in it? How? We're dead to it. Verse three, or do you not know, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Did you not know? Were you not aware? Right, because not knowing things will impact the way that you live. I remember being in college and I I was about to walk into a classroom. I had class and I'm, I'm, I'm walking down the same corridor. I've walked a bunch of times. And when I get there, there's a guy standing right outside the door. Door is shut. And he's got, his, his, he's got his backpack slung across his shoulder. So I come and I stand next to him. And then the next person to arrive comes and stands next to us. And now all of a sudden, a few minutes later, the entire class is standing outside of the classroom. Even the professor arrives. And we're all standing outside this classroom, not going in, right? So somebody makes a phone call. Somebody makes a phone call. I'm, I mean, this is back in the day, right? So, so uh, somebody makes a phone call to get somebody to come and open this door. So a guy comes with all of these keys, but before he touches a single key, do you know what he does? He touches the handle and he touches the handle and it was wide open. Now get this, that door was always unlocked. That door had been unlocked the entire time. The reality of that door being unlocked went unchanged. What changed is how I lived. What changed is how I reacted. What changes how we lived not having that knowledge. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Your salvation, believer, is bigger than you understand. Your salvation is greater than your ability to mentally grasp it. Your salvation is greater. It is larger And its reality will not 
changed based on your understanding of it. But you know what will change? How you live. Do you not know? He says, listen, we are the ones who died to sin. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And for those of you who have trusted in Christ, for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, for those of us who have encountered the good news, for those of us who have come face to face with the gospel, that God became a human being and died in our place, for those of us who have trusted in that, we've been baptized into that. We have been included in that. Now, 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 there's, there's different understandings in the church of what baptism is, right? But what he's saying here is simple, right? It's, it's for the one who, who, who is connected to Christ, the one who belongs to Christ, the one who has trusted in Christ, the one who has been uh, uh, involved and included in this community of faith. In other words, the believer, the one who has trusted in Jesus, the one who has placed his faith in Jesus. Do you not know? That when you were baptized into him, you were baptized into his death. Now, verse 4 says us this, tells us this. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. I want you to think about baptism. I want you to think about the picture of it, right? You are there and then you go inside the water and then you come back outside of the water, right? Symbolizing, symbolizing your burial, symbolizing your resurrection. Now, now follow me with this, right? Follow me in this. God became a human being, lived a perfect life, tempted in every way, And what he does with that life is he marches towards a Roman torturing device and he is crucified. Now, look who is crucified. God turned into human. That's no mere mortal. That is no mere man. That is God in his full divinity, now human. And here's what Paul is saying. Please follow me on this. That when you trust in him, somehow, somehow you participate. You become a participant in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. Yes, Jesus is the master teacher who teaches us how to live. Yes, but he does much more than that. He is the Savior. And here's what salvation looks like. That when you trust in him, somehow, somehow, beyond our mental ability to grasp it, somehow, you you are included. You are involved in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. That's your new reality. And Paul says, did you not know this? Did you not know that you died together with him? Did you not know that you were buried with him? 
Did you not know that you were raised in order to walk in newness of life? If I died with Christ, death changes things. If you die, all of a sudden, there's a whole lot of stuff you don't got to do. You ain't got to show up to work tomorrow. You don't have to obey speed limits. Death changes your relationships. And Paul is saying that when you get included into Christ, you died together with him. That changes. That should transform how you live out every aspect of your life. You died and you came back to life. For if, verse five tells us, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, right? When you join Christ, when you trust Christ, he gives you all of it. He says, my death counts for you. He says, my resurrection counts for you because we are united to him. Just like a branch is attached to the vine, And whatever happens to the vine happens to the branch. He is the vine. You are the branch. Whatever happens to him counts for you. We have been united with him in his death. And so also in his resurrection. Get that. Little, irrelevant, insignificant, microscopic, vaporous little me. Involved in the death. The burial, the resurrection of Christ, my King. For if been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I had a professor one time that told me that death changes things. It changes how we relate to things. It changes our relationships to different things. Verse six, we No, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now get this, the punishment of sin is gone. But we know that from everything in Romans that leads up to this point, right? I don't have to pay for my punishment. God remains just. How? Because Jesus became the fullness of my sin. He became the entirety of my sin and he took my punishment. And so my punishment has already been addressed, The punishment of sin is gone. But what Paul begins to say here is because of my involvement, because of my inclusion in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that the power of sin has been defanged. I used to be a slave of sin, right? I used to be chained to sin, right? And and, and sin's this monster. Sin's this bully, 
this monster, this king in your life. And when it tells you what to do, you obey and you're chained to it. And if you don't obey, he jerks the chain and there you go. And if you try to push back, he pulls that chain and you go with it, right? So that you, you wake up and you try to reason yourself out of sin. Today, I'm gonna do better. And then sin shows up and it jerks that chain and you go along with it. But here is what Paul is saying. Do you not know? Do you not know that you have been crucified with Christ? You have been crucified and you have died to sin. It's Power has been defanged. Or in other words, the chain that attached you to sin has been smashed. It has been broken. It has been busted. It has been torn. Now, get this. The sin's still there. The monster's still there. It still bullies you. It still tells you what to do, but when you say no and he jerks the chain, you're not attached to it. You're not attached to it. Now, listen, you've been doing it a long time. It's scary. His voice sounds familiar, and you've got a lot of history that says every time he pulls, I go. But something drastic happened. You died. And death changes things. Because of death, all of a sudden, there are certain things that you don't got to do. So it can bark as loud as it wants. It can scream as loud as it wants. But that chain is busted. That chain is broken. And the power of sin has been defanged. For the one, verse 7 tells us, for one who has died has been set free from sin. The one who has died has been delivered from sin. Verse 8, now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. If we died with him, we can live with him. Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That verse ain't about you. That verse is about Jesus. Let me talk about Jesus for a moment. Here's what he did. The death he died, he died once for all. Do you remember the Old Testament sacrificial system? Every time you sin, you got to get a new lamb. You got to transfer your sins over to that little lamb, right? The, the lamb takes your sin and what happens to the lamb? It dies. So it removes your sin, but it's got to keep happening. It's got to keep happening, right? Because that lamb ain't big enough. How do you get a lamb that's big enough? You got to be God, right? And when you're God, you're infinite, when you're God, you're infinite. And when, we come, when you become a human, you can die. So God becomes a human and he dies once and for all. He died to sin so that he can live to God. 
That's about him. That's what he did. Now here's where you kick back in. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now it's your turn. Right? Paul said, do you not know? Do you not know that your death with Christ, that your crucifixion with Christ changes how you relate to sin? That is reality. For you who are a believer, that is your reality. Whether you acknowledge or not, it does not change any of it. It's what he did. He accomplished that reality. But if you don't get it, it will change how you live. Until you get it, it will inhibit how you live. So Paul says, so, verse 11, you must consider yourselves dead to sin. You got to recalculate. You've got to do some brain activity. You've got to consider yourself. You have to understand, you have to realign your thinking with the historical reality of what Jesus accomplished. You have got to get your mind aligned, grounded in what he accomplished. You have got to come to the point that I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin. That is my new reality. It's like that chain. It's like that chain and it's that monster. The monster's gonna bark. He's gonna tell me what to do. He's not dead. But he's dead to me. He's dead to me. You ever have like a, a friendly breakup with somebody? Those are like nauseating, right? Ah, we broke up, but we're still friends. Call me sometime. You ever, ever have like a, like a bad breakup? Like a bad breakup that, that they're, they're so toxic that you go, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. Right, so they go, hey, can I call sometime? Hey, I don't talk to cadavers on the phone. Hey, if I'm in the neighborhood, if I'm in the neighborhood, can I stop in? No, I don't let carcasses into my house. Hey, do you wanna grab dinner? You think I'm gonna eat with a corpse? You are dead to me. Listen, there's no obituary. There's no cemetery to go to. But to me, but to me, you're dead. And Paul says, so you consider yourselves dead to sin. Of course it's going to call you. It's always called you. Of course it's going to stop by. It's always stopped by. Of course it wants to have dinner with you. It's always wanted to have dinner with you. But something has changed. You go, you're dead to me. You are dead to me. So what are we going to do with that? Verse 12. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin 
as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Now, did you see those words? Let it not reign. Let it not have dominion, right? It thinks it's still king. It thinks it still reigns. It thinks it still has power over you. It hasn't changed. You have. It's your relationship with Christ that has changed. And now you are dead to it. It's been defanged. It still barks, but it can't get you. Now you might fall into sin. You might fall into sin. But we have an advocate with the Father that can cleanse us from that. Right? But that sermon's a different sermon for another day. Right? But the, the focus today is this. It cannot control you. It no longer has power over you because you died with him. Therefore, do not present your members to sin as instruments. Do not let it reign in your body. Now, here's what we're not gonna do. Here's what we're not gonna do. We're not gonna step back into legalism, right? We're not, we're not going to step into some random rules of do's and don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't go to the theater. Don't listen to rock and roll. Don't listen to hip hop. You can't wear jeans. You can't, you can't do this, right? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, nothing outside of a person can defile a person, right? It's those things outside. They cannot violate you. They cannot defile you. It's that which comes from inside immorality and theft and greed and deceit and envy and arrogance. What defiles you comes from the inside. That which is outside cannot defile you. So we're not going to step back into legalism. We're not going to step back into rules of do's and don'ts. Jesus said this, listen, if your right hand causes you to stumble... Cut it off. If your right hand causes you to sin, amputate. Get rid of it. Now, here's the deal. God made that hand, so it ain't gonna cause you to sin. But something else is. There's something else that's gonna cause you to sin, and that has to get amputated. That has to go. Right, you've never been just sitting around minding your own business. Then all of a sudden your right hand leaps out of your pocket, reaches into somebody else's pocket, takes their wallet and puts it back in yours and you don't even know. Your right hand does not cause you to stumble, but there's something that does, right? It's greed, It's you saying, man, their car looks a lot better than mine. Their house looks a lot better than mine. There's something else inside you that causes you to stumble. And that has to get amputated. It has to go. And you have to live your life as dead to sin. Now, here's what I want you to walk away from with today. 
Listen, Jesus, he is God, eternal and infinite. And he became a human being. Now, what is happening in his life is that God is walking around on the planet as a human. And what he does with his humanity is he lives it sinlessly, tempted in every way, but sinless. And then he says this, give me your sin. Give me all of it and I will die. I will be crucified. I will be punished for you. And he doesn't only take away the punishment of sin with that. He takes away the power of sin with that to transform you. Right? You have died to sin. If you have believed in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, you are dead to sin. Fact truth, unchangeable. He did it. You didn't do it. You go, I don't get it. Doesn't matter. He did it. He's the one that accomplished it. However, when you get it, when you get it, it transforms. So you have got to say, you have got to stop And you've got to recalculate. And you have got to go, God, I am dead to sin. It is no longer my master. It is no longer in charge. Is it ferocious? Yeah. Is it terrifying? Yes. Am I chained to it? No. Because the one who has died has been set free from sin because death changes things and you've died together with Christ. (laughs) Glorious God. Lord, your salvation is larger and more vast and greater than my feeble understanding of it. But God, you have made it known. God, and you have made it known in order that by your grace, by the presence of your spirit, my life might be changed. Glorious, triumphant God, in you, I have died to sin. It is no longer my master. It no longer rules. Spirit, I ask for your presence. Ask for your presence in me. Lord, and I ask for your presence in every believer here. Lord, that they in all conviction and in all boldness would consider themselves dead to sin. Lord, and for all our loved ones who do not know you. God, may they understand the preciousness, the beauty, and the salvation of your sacrifice in your glorious name. Amen.